Welcome to a powerful message from the Lighthouse Chapel International, Bronx North Branch. Lighthouse Chapel International branches worldwide provide every member the training, support, and encouragement to fulfill the Great Commission and to go to heaven and hear Jesus say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. before you to hear your word spirit of god have your way speak to us this afternoon i avail myself only as a vessel and i ask oh spirit of god that you use me to minister to us in jesus name amen, amen. you may be seated wonderful well today marks the beginning of helena can you and sashley Eric, can you come forward a little bit? I want you closer so that, um, yes. And um, Shakira, come forward a little bit. Yeah, wonderful. Today marks the beginning of our feeding 527. Our time is almost done. Wow. It's feeding 527. And... Um, Today, we want to introduce this wonderful book. Now, for those of you who don't know about Feeding 527, you know, God has blessed our bishop so much. God has blessed him so much, and he is blessing churches worldwide. And it has come to the attention of our leadership that most of us are also not partaking in this wonderful blessing and this anointing that is upon the bishop. And the church gave this great wisdom that we share from one of the books that the bishop has written. And the bishop has written many books. He has written many books. And it is blessing churches. It is blessing individuals. It's doing wonders in the lives of individuals. And it seems, or it has come to the attention, that... Lighthouse members are not benefiting from this. And the reason, again, is familiarity. When something is easily available to you, you don't seem to have value for it. You see how our books are lying on the desk, our vision bookstore, and people are not buying them. You know, these books cannot be available like that in certain countries. People will jump on them and take them. But we walk by them, and we don't even take a look at them. Do you see? And the reason is because of familiarity. And that is why, that is why it even, God touched the heart of the bishop to make the books available at the least of cost. In fact, for free, almost. Because it was as if you were paying for shipment. That you will acquire the books. And we know that even you acquire the books, you have not even taken one out of the book to read. Or one out of the package to read. And so, every now and then, we have what we call the Feeding 527. And it is based on a scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 27. That we take one of the books and then we share or we read it with a church. Amen. So, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 27, it says, 
I charge you. Now, this is Paul writing to the churches. And he wrote this particular letter to the church in Thessalonica. And he wrote in verse 27, he says, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. That God has blessed him with great revelations and it seems that he writes these revelations to the leaders of the churches. And the leaders will read the revelations that God has blessed him with. But this particular one, he says, I charge you to read this letter, this epistle, read it to the whole congregation, read it to the holy brethren. Because it is meant for you to also know it. Hallelujah. And it is based on this scripture that we also take one of the books that the bishop has written and then we share or we read it together. Hallelujah. Now, it does not replace the Bible as some of you have claimed that Lighthouse, we don't read the Bible, we read the bishop's books. And I will show you something about books. How many of you want to know why we need to read about books? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, it is based on this scripture that we share from the bishop's book. Everything that is written in the bishop's book is based on the scriptures. Now, you realize that a lot of you, when you read the Bible, you don't even understand it. How many of you can testify that we have shared a scripture in church and it baffles your mind that you didn't know that this scripture talked about something like this? Yes. It blew your mind. And that is what books do. What we are reading to you is a preaching message by the bishop. He has preached this message and we share it. How many of you have the books? You have the books already. Okay, now let me see how many of you do not have the books. You don't have the books. Please, by next week, I want everyone. Let me see by show of hands. You don't have the book. You don't have the book. Okay, please. The books are available now. How much is it? $10. $10. You know, this, is, this book contains several preaching messages. The whole book is preaching. And so I want every one of you to have a copy of the book. So who is here with the $10 to purchase a copy of the book? Who is here with $10 to purchase a copy of the book? You know... I'm going to show you something that will make you want to have a book. I say, I'm going to show you something that is going to make you want to have a book. You don't know the value of a book. You don't know. Hallelujah. You don't know the value of a book. Hallelujah. So quickly, 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 let's have, you have $10, you get a copy of the book. $10, you get a copy of the book. Some of you can buy for a friend. It is the greatest gift you can give a friend. It is said that black people don't like to read books. Is it true? Say minus me. I think today your mind about books is going to change. Hallelujah. Quickly, please, no discussions in the back. Let's give the books quickly and let's begin reading the book. Okay. Okay, now. That's it. 
Let's sit down. Let's be settled. One more hand here. Give a copy of the book. And everyone should have a copy of the book. And next week, by the grace of God, we should all also bring our books to church. And don't say, I'm not coming to church because I don't have a copy of the book. Even if you don't have it, come. And if you cannot afford $10 to buy a book, come and see me at the end of the service. You say, I don't have $10. I can't afford to pay $10 for the book. Come and see me at the end of the service. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Powerful. Okay. No movement anymore. Chapter 1. Chapter 1. It says the gift and calling of God are without repentance. We are sharing from the book, The Art of Ministry. The Art of Ministry. That is the title of our message. Five, feeding 527 five, this month is The Art of Ministry. And in chapter 1, it talks about the gift and calling of God are without repentance. And Jonah chapter 1 and verse 1 it says, now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness is come up before me. This is a great call that came to Jonah. Clearly, the Lord called him and spoke to him. So he heard the Lord. And he had instructions clearly, and he refused to go. So that was the first call that came to Jonah. And then the Lord came to him again in chapter 3. And he says, and the Lord, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go unto Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. Hallelujah. How many of you understand that God is a merciful God? So he came to a man and he gave him instructions. He says, go to Nineveh and preach the word. And he gave them his word. And the man did not go. And he came again and he gave him the same instructions to go to the same place, not to change the message, but he says, go and preach to them the message that I gave you. Hallelujah. Now, we have a God who is a God of a second chance. There are some of you who can testify that you have had many opportunities to do something for God and you did not do it. Sometimes you had an opportunity to give to the house of God, to give to the work of God, and you did not give. Sometimes you, have, you had an opportunity to join a choir and sing to the Lord, but you did not sing. You, sometimes you have been in a church and there was a preaching or there was a message that was shared and then at the end of the service, you made a decision, you purpose in your heart that I will do A, B, and C for the Lord, but you did not do it. But our God is a God of second chance. Amen. Hallelujah. He says that Jonah is an example of someone who had a second chance to hear and obey. To hear and obey. But sometimes, some of us, we will only have one chance. Hallelujah. You, only, you may only have one chance. So when you hear it, make a decision quickly and obey. 
Some of you, when we went for the camp, you made decisions. A lot of you made decisions concerning the camp. And then you purpose that I will do A, B, and C for the Lord. And it is just a week now. You are changing your mind already. Sometimes we need to go through certain storms before we come back to the Lord. Don't go through a storm before you rise up to the Lord. Jonah had to go through a storm and be thrown overboard into the sea and be buried in the belly of a whale for three days before he responded to the call. You may not have that chance. Hallelujah. I say you may not have that chance. And perhaps holding this book in your hand is your call. Perhaps God is calling you through this book that is in your hand or that is available or that is that you are hearing today. And maybe you may not read it. But this book that you are holding in your hand may be your calling. Hallelujah. How many of you can agree with me that the book in your hand can be your calling? Yes. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. What a shock. Our time is almost up. Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. It says, after this, this is John, when he experienced this wonderful revelation. It says, after this, I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Beloved, I want you to listen to this very carefully. You are not, Revelation is not your favorite book, but I want you to listen to this very carefully. It says, immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne, there was a sea of glass like unto crystals. Hallelujah. And so it goes on and it goes on and it describes the throne of heaven. It describes the throne of heaven. And it says that, verse 10, it says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their throne, their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, all, O Lord, 
to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Hallelujah. This is the worship in heaven. Now I'm going to show you something about God that you have never thought about. I'm going to show you something about God that has never occurred to you. That is probably going to change your mind this afternoon. Hallelujah. How many of you want to know? You want to know. You see, there's so many things that we know about God. But there are certain things that we have not paid attention to. And I'm going to show you that. Hallelujah. You remember what I was sharing with you about two or three weeks ago? I said, no matter, you see, when, 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 um, when Cornelius was waiting on the Lord, an angel appeared to him. Do you understand? An angel appeared to him. Angel came to Cornelius' house. And you would think that the angel would give Cornelius every revelation that he needs. So Cornelius was waiting on the Lord. And then an angel came. And an angel said that your prayers and your arms given have come before the Lord as a memorial. And that is why I am here. So does it sound like the angel has brought answers to Cornelius? Yes. The angel came to Cornelius. But the angel sends Cornelius to a man of God to receive that revelation. Hallelujah. So everyone will need a pastor to receive certain revelations. Hallelujah. And I'm going to show you something. Are you serious? Do you want to know? Do you want to know? Let me see how many of you want to know. Wonderful. Okay. I'm going to show you. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. The next chapter. So this is John. How many of you are familiar with John? John was the one who was Jesus' favorite. He lies in Jesus' bosom. He was a happy-going guy. Every time he was happy. He was Jesus' beloved friend. Hallelujah. And this revelation came to him. John, um, revelation chapter 5 and verse 1. He said, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a what? He said, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. Now, who is it that sat on the throne? Come on. And in the right hand of God was a book. Beloved, I don't know who will walk around without a book. If the one who sat on the throne holds a book in his hand. If the God who sat on the throne has a book in his hand, there must be something about books. If books are written in heaven, and the one who sat on the throne holds a book in his hand, there must be something about books. Amen. I said there must be something about books. Amen. And you're going to have to have a book in your hand. Amen. 
Whether you are in your toilet, you're going to have to have a book in your hand. Whether you are sitting on the train, you're going to have to have a book in your hand. The Bible is the Bible. I'm not talking about the Bible. Hallelujah. It says a book. A book. There was a book. How many of you understand that Revelation is part of the book? I mean, Revelation is part of the Bible. This has not been written yet. But the one who sat on the throne, he was holding a book in his right hand. Hallelujah. He says, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, saying, who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to open the book? Beloved, if a book like this is given in your hand to hold and you are able to open it, you are worthy. And did you understand the word of God? It says the strong angel, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof. Let me tell you, there are so much revelations in books. And the book that is in your hand contains a lot of revelations. It contains a lot of revelations. We shared from one of the books about Titan, and it transformed lives. And I see the blessings of God coming upon the people of God as this revelation comes to the people. You see, the messages that we preach... You see, we cannot, we can, you, you cannot get everything within 45 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes. We can't share everything. But the wonders of revelation you can put in a book. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. It says, I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof? And to lose the seals, the seals are the secrets, the revelations that are in the book. And unless you open the book, you cannot get to the secrets. Hallelujah. Who is worthy to open the book? Who is worthy to open the book? It says, and no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And this beloved John, he says, And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. This happy John, who we never saw anywhere crying, suddenly, he says, I wept a lot. I wept a lot. When I saw that God himself is holding a book in his right hand, and when I look at the church, no one reads a book. No one takes a book to read. No one sits on a train. They can sit on a train and they can paint their face throughout the train trip. They can take, wake up in the morning and dress up all morning, and no one will take a book to open it. When I saw that, in a, I said, I wept. I wept. 
that God himself is holding a book in his hand and we could not find any man holding a book to read. Hallelujah. Let me tell you, the people who read books are the ones who are high on the top. Have you realized that? Have you realized that? Have you realized that amongst even groups, ethnic groups, nationalities, and so on and so forth, the ones who read the most are the ones who are higher on the ladder in the society. And the ones who don't read, they are always in the bottom. There is something about books. I said there is something about books. There is something about books. That is why even in the secular world, someone who is able to open a book and sit and read it, they give you a certificate in your hand. And they say, you have done something that no one else could do. For that reason, now, for the work that you do, you don't even sweat, but we give you this much money. There is something about books. I said there is something about books. And anyone who begins to pick it, your level goes from here to there. When you open a book. Hallelujah. When you open a book. When you are able to open a book. When you are able to sit and just read. And you say, I will sit and I will read. And I will go and show them that I have read a book. And so give me a test to show you that I have read a book. And if we are able to do that, we will give you just a paper to hold. To identify that you have read a book. And you open a book and you read it. For that reason, from now on, you don't get the same money that you get. We will give you different salary. There is something about books. And if the almighty God is holding a book in his hand, you have to have a book in your hand. I see no reason why you should not have a book in your hand. If you want to be, if you were created in the image of God and you want to be like God, you have to have a book. If you call yourself a Christian like Christ, you should have a book in your hand all the time that you are reading. Am I speaking to somebody this afternoon? He says, and no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book. He said, the lion of Judah, the root of David, had prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four, four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps, golden vials, full of odors, which are the prayers of saints. Let me tell you, just by him taking the book, he says that, and when he had taken the book, 
the four beasts and the four and twenty elders that were in heaven, suddenly, it says that they bowed down. It says, having every one of them lamp and golden vials of full order, where, which were with all the saints of the prayers. Of the, of the prayers of the saints. You see, now suddenly, authority and power is given to the one who is able to take the book. Are you understanding what I'm sharing with you this afternoon? You need to understand this. And this ought to transform your attitude towards books that are written. I'm talking about Christian books. Hallelujah. He says, and they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. And the reason is that someone took the book. Someone took the book. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone took the book. Beloved, you should have a book that you are reading all the time. Have one of the books. You have the Macarius now. Every, you should have one in your bathroom. That every time you go to your bathroom, you should be able to read at least one chapter. And these chapters are very short. They are very short. I'm almost done with you in one chapter. And I'm not reading, I'm, not, I'm just preaching to you from the book. Hallelujah. I say you are holding something that is really, really wonderful and great. And it's going to open a great door into your life. Hallelujah. A great door into your life. Amen. It is going to open a great door into your life. How many of you now feel that you need to hold a book? If the almighty God is holding a book in his hand, Sitting on the throne, you need to have a book. You need to have a book. Amen. Amen. I say you need to have a book. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Everywhere you are, you ought to have a book that you are reading. Yes. It will take you a month to finish, but have a book Amen. that you are reading. Sashley, do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It's because of the book. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. It says, and I beheld... I heard a voice of many angels run about the throne and the beasts and elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, look at this, just because he was able to take the book. He says, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. All because someone was able to take the book. You see, all these things started following when he took the book and opened it to read. Amen. And he says, and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, Head saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Develop the art of reading and it will transform you. Amen. It says, Riches, wisdom, strength. 
power, honor, glory, and blessing. Just because you open a book to read. Amen. Amen. Chapter 2. Now there is a difference between doing the work of God and working in the world. Just give me just a few minutes. Let me introduce this chapter and then we will continue next time that we are here. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles chapter 12 and verse 8. This is Rehoboam when he had rebelled against the Lord. The Lord sent a prophet to say this to him. Let's read from the New American Standard, if you have that. He says, But they will become his slaves, so that they may learn the difference between my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. You don't want to receive this message. He says, you become a slave. You become slaves so that they may learn the difference between my service and the service of the kingdoms of the countries. Now, there is a difference between serving God and serving the kingdoms of the world. There is a difference. I said there is a difference. There is a difference in doing the work of God and working at your jobs. There is a clear difference, and the way God will make you learn the difference is when you become a slave to the kingdoms of the world. Hallelujah. He said there is a difference between working for God and working for the world. The world's wealth, as it is fading away, you realize that no matter how much of it you acquire, it can never be compared to the calling of God. When God calls you to do something for him, no matter what it is, no matter what you do for the Lord, it can never be compared to anything that you do in the world. Hallelujah. You see, as we are working in the world, we are just building treasure cities for the world. We are building treasure cities. And as we are doing the work of God, we are building eternal cities. Hallelujah. The Bible says of Abraham, it says, for he searched for a city whose foundation is... Uh, whose, whose builder is God and that is the Lord who is the builder of that city. Do you understand? So the foundations that we are building here, they are foundations that are like sandcastle. Abraham searched for a city whose builder and maker is God. The foundation is an eternal foundation. Amen. Now what we are searching for and what we are building, they are like sandcastle. Have you not realized that? Have you not realized that? If you look at your job, one day go to one day I was at, at, at work and I went to a hallway. And this hallway, it has a whole lot of old people's pictures. And if you begin to read them, they are all dead. And this one did that. This one donated, this one built this unit, this one built this. This particular building was donated or was built by this person and his wife. This one was done. They are all dead and gone. And the sad thing is that every now and then, I see a part of this broken down and rebuilt again. 
that which people spend their lifetime building. That which, when it was done, there was a plaque that was placed on the wall for them. It's even not there anymore. Amen. Amen. Now, the world that we live in, the world system, is like the Egypt system. Do you understand? So we want to talk a little bit about Pharaoh, and then we will go home. Now, how many of you know about Pharaoh? Pharaoh is a king of Egypt. Amen. Now, Pharaoh, I want you to understand, is a kind of Satan. Pharaoh represents Satan. Do you understand? He's a type of Satan. And Egypt then, Egypt in those days was like America. Egypt was the most developed country, and everyone was going there. So they had the power to enslave people, to work for them, do all sorts of things, and build their cities, build pyramids, build treasure cities. So Egypt is a type of the world, or it represents the world system. And Israel, who happened to be in Egypt as slaves at that time, concerning this scripture, is a type of God's people. Do you understand it? Do you get the background? So we have Pharaoh, who is a presentation of Satan, and we have Egypt, which represents the world system, and we have the people of Israel, which represent the people of God. Hallelujah. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you this afternoon? So, this world, this world belongs to Satan. This world Satan has power. The Bible calls him the God of this world. The God of this world. He has power over this world. And he he's able, if you come under him, he's able to command you to do certain things. Amen. Now, the goal of Satan is always to have you not having time to serve God. And I will explain that to you. The devices of this system, it is always designed such that you will not have time to serve God. Have you not realized, even when you make a decision to be serious with church, suddenly a lot of things are happening at your job. Suddenly school, your professor is changing your, your class. Now you have to go to, for a class on Sunday. You, and then suddenly your boss is changing your schedule and you have to do certain weekends, certain days that you never worked before just because you decide to join the choir. Isn't that true? Yes. The goal is to divert all of our attention and time away from God. We want to read this scripture very quickly in Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. Just want to read this to you quickly. Exodus chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, Now... There arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Now, Joseph was a very popular man. He was a prime minister in Egypt. And when he was in power, the people of Israel enjoyed a lot of benefits. But the Bible says that there arose a new king, a new pharaoh in Egypt. And he didn't know anything about Joseph. Didn't know the great things that Joseph did in Egypt. Didn't know that it was because of Joseph that the people of Israel were saved from famine. 
that it was because of Joseph's wisdom, the wisdom of God upon Joseph's life, that Egypt became that world's favorite country. This new king didn't know. And a lot of times, some of you, you come to a state like that at your job, where a new boss comes, and he doesn't know the sacrifices that you have made on a job, how you were a, a darling at the job, how bosses like you. This new boss, he doesn't know anything about that. And suddenly, he changes your schedule. He says, from now on, you are working every weekend. So this is what happened in Egypt. He says, this new king came and he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Amen. Amen. They are more and mightier than we. That is why we need to rise up. Whenever you see a church growing, Satan looks at the church and says, look, the people are now getting more and mightier than us. Let us bring things amongst them so that they will decrease. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? I said Satan is a type of, Pharaoh is a type of Satan. And Egypt is a type of the wealth system. And you are people of God. Hallelujah. He says they are getting more and mightier than us. Come on. Let us deal wisely with them. Let us deal wisely with them. Lest, you see, he says, let us deal wisely with them. Now, when someone is dealing wisely with you, it has to be in a way that you cannot see that the person is out to harm you. He deals with you Nicodemusly, isn't that so? That you will not know or you will not see that this thing, it is actually out to get you. Or it is actually there to destroy you. So he says, let us deal wisely with them. This is Satan. He calls his people, he says, come on, let us deal wisely with them. The reason is because they are more and mightier than us now. There is more evangelism. Now they call the people, they have time to call, there are more people in the follow-up ministry. There are more people going out to witness. We begin to deal wisely with them. Amen. He says, come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply. And it come to pass that when they falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us. And so get them up out of the land. Hallelujah. You see, pastors are the enemies of Satan. As pastors preach to you, as we preach to you, as we preach to you, you acquire certain knowledge and you become more stable. And your work with God becomes more stable. And you develop certain foundation. And you come to a stage where nothing can move you. Do you see? And now when you are increasing, when you are increasing, you realize that now more of such pastors are springing up. You see, more people now visiting people, they are following up the people. The work that the pastor was doing, which was against the work of Satan, now he finds, now more people are doing it. It's not the pastor who is calling the people anymore. I see all these people visiting the people, calling them, doing this. Let us deal wisely with them. Because when they continue to increase like this, they will join our enemies. They will join the pastors who are always preaching against us. And they will fight against us. 
You don't understand my message. One person received a revelation. Amen. Therefore, so now listen to his wise dealing. So he has come up with a plan. Do you realize he said, let us deal wisely with them? This is his plan. This is the wisdom of Satan. He says, therefore, this is my wisdom. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. When you begin to serve God and start doing the work of God, Satan will set over you taskmasters. Taskmasters who will afflict you with burdens. Taskmasters who will cause your rent to go up. Look, one day there was a brother who came here. He gave a testimony. Powerful testimony. And he said, since I joined the church, this has happened to my family. This has happened to me. This has happened to me. This has happened to me. I am not going anywhere. I am a member of this church. That at the moment he gave that testimony, the following month, the increase is rent. He says, where are you going? Come, taskmasters, put burden on you. Pharaoh set taskmasters on him. Today, the brother doesn't come to church anymore. Long time, the brother has not been able to come to church. I call him, he says, Reverend, my rent is up, and my wife has lost her job, and I have to work this place and that place and that place and this so that we can pay our rent. Taskmaster. I'm sharing something very, very important to you. He said, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Pitoms and Ramses. They built for Pharaoh treasure cities. You see, so when you are at your office and you, you, know, you look at your, the window and then you feel so good, you're wearing your suit and your tie and your office overlooks the skyscrapers and look where the Lord has brought me. You have no idea. Satan is dealing with you wisely. Satan is dealing with you wisely. Amen. And then you look and say, is, is this me like this? You see, when you look at your surroundings, you look at the window and you look at the skyscrapers, you can't believe that this is you. And then when they call for the board meetings and you see all these big, big people sitting down, one day, I just went to, uh, I think it was last, what was it, Wednesday, that I went to this, I went to this dinner, you know, it was a job-related thing, we had to go, and then I was sitting there, and then I look around and I saw all these people sitting there, I said, me, pa, me, me. <laughs> I, said, I said, is it me here like this? <laughs> when I saw, I saw, I saw. I saw all the people, and then I pinched myself again. I said, wow, this is me. I didn't know that Satan was dealing with me wisely. <laughs> Satan was dealing with, I couldn't believe. I said, ah, yeah, wow, look at that, wow. You see, you feel that, ah, I've been lifted up. Amen. So it says, it says that to build for them treasure cities, Pitoms and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. May that be your story. I said, may that be your story. May that be your story. The more the enemy rises up, may you multiply in every area of your life. Hallelujah. 
You will multiply. Amen. You multiply. And the Egyptians, it says, and the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor. Hallelujah. Now, I just want to share this quickly with you. One thing that every Christian, every Christian must understand is that you cannot use, you cannot use the enemy's wisdom to fight the enemy. Do you understand? You cannot use the wisdom of Satan to fight him. You cannot use, if someone is coming up with a weapon to fight you, you cannot overcome him if you also have the same weapon. Ellen, do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You cannot have use the same weapon to fight the enemy. You need the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. We need the wisdom of God if we are going to. He says, let us deal with them wisely. Let us deal with them wisely. Now, you cannot deal with the enemy or counteract his wisdom by the same wisdom. Do you understand? Now, the wisdom that the enemy is using to deal with you, the way the enemy is dealing with you wisely is what I just described to you. Do you understand? It is what I just described to you to work harder, to work harder, to spend more time doing more work as your rent has gone up, to work harder, to do extra time. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? You need the wisdom of God. And I tell you, the wisdom of God, it is foolishness in the world. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? I said the wisdom of God, it is foolishness in the world. The wisdom of God that you need, it will make you look foolish in the world. And that is the reason why most Christians don't use that wisdom. The reason why the enemy is able to overcome you is because when you apply the wisdom of God compared to his wisdom, you look foolish. You look like an idiot. Do you understand? So you feel, for instance, like why instead of spending all day in church on Saturday, you could have worked extra hours at work. And it makes sense to you that your boss called you and he says, come and work extra hours today. I need someone to work. And, it to, and I'll pay you time and a half. He says, let us deal wisely with them. And then, so you will look at your tax master and say, oh, he has increased my rent. He has increased my rent. So let me go and work this time and a half and I will be able to pay my rent this month. Do you understand? So that sounds more, it sounds like it's wiser than to say that, oh, I am believing in the Lord that when I come to church and I serve God, my rent will go down again. That they will change my rent. I am believing in the Lord that when I serve God, a door will open to me that I will move to this new place. You see, that sounds, that sounds like a foolish idea. That doesn't sound like a wise idea. So why are you not working, young man? Why are you not working and everything is about church, 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 church? Why are you not working? Why can't you do this? Why you could be doing this instead of staying on this job and making this meager money and everything about you is church, church, church. Why can't you get an extra time? It sounds foolish. Do you understand what I'm sharing with you? It sounds foolish. Now, when God wants to take you out of Egypt, when God wants to take you out of Egypt, the wisdom of God, it sounds foolish. 
Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? The wisdom of God and the plan of God to take you out of this wisdom of the world, it sounds foolish. So, when the Lord came up with a plan, as the people were suffering in Egypt, and they were working harder and harder to make ends meet, now they don't have to give them the mortar anymore. They have to find their own. They were working harder and harder. And God came up with a plan. And the plan of God was to take the people, and it brought them to the Red Sea. Do you see? So when you look at the plan of God, it looks foolish. And when you analyze the plan of God, you will say, you will begin to murmur and say, it was better we were in Egypt. Because you are comparing it in the wisdom of this world. And the wisdom of this world is the wisdom of Satan. He says, I will deal wisely with them. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you this afternoon? He says, I will deal wisely with. So when God decided to take the people out of Egypt, when he was taking them out of Egypt, he brought them to the Red Sea. And then you look and you say, why did I come here? I look foolish. Now, as I see Pharaoh coming to get me, everyone will think I am foolish. But the wisdom of God, it is foolishness unto them that are natural. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing this afternoon? That is the wisdom of God. That is how God is going to deliver you out. And so, you see, it's like, I don't know where I am going. I don't know why should I follow the place where I'm not going. But this plan, I know precisely that if I do this, the well system, the law is that you have to pay me time and a half. If I come, I know at the end of the week, I will get a time and a half. And I know that even if they take 20% task. This is what is going to be left. I will have this much and I will add to this and I will be able to pay my rent. That is the wisdom of this world. But the wisdom of God, it brings you to a Red Sea. It brings you to a Red Sea and it looks foolish. It looks foolish that you made the decision to take and leave Egypt after all. Amen. But if you follow the wisdom of God, if you can sustain the foolishness, if you can sustain the foolishness, He says that he will part even the oceans for you. That there will be a dry land in the mighty waters. Where are we going? I don't know where we are going. We're just following this pillar of fire and this pillar of cloud. That is what is leading us. Are you serious? There is no one, no leader who has risen up who knows where you are going, but you are following a pillar of fire. It sounds foolish. It sounds that you are unwise. But this is not the wisdom of this world. I am talking about the wisdom that is from God. It is the wisdom that is from God. Is somebody understanding what I'm sharing with you? It is the wisdom that is from God. And then it brings you, it brings you after you have even gone through the rest. You see, when you are going through the rest, when the people of Israel were going through the rest, mind you, it was not easy. If you, if you look, if you see a wall, a mountain of an ocean, here and there, would you go through? Yeah. You will not go through. You will not go through. And then when you go through, it brings you to a wilderness. I say it brings you to a wilderness. It brings you to a place where there are, there, there, there's no water, there's no food. 
I said, the wisdom of God, when you analyze, when you apply it in the world, it makes no sense. It brings you to a wilderness. Let me show you a scripture in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. Let's read from the NIV quickly so we don't have time. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12. It says, we have not received the spirit of the world. How many of you now understand what is the spirit of the world? It says, we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. What God has freely given us, that we may understand. Verse 13, it says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, the human wisdom is the wisdom of Satan. He says, let us deal wisely with them. And the human wisdom is that work extra more. As they are giving you taskmasters and higher burdens, work harder. He says, this is what we speak. Not in the words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God. Why? For they are foolishness. They are foolishness to him. They are foolishness to him. Why should I not work overtime? Why should I come and sit in the church all day? Why should I come to church Sunday and come again on Tuesday? I could have worked extra time. And it makes sense. That makes sense in the world wisdom. He says, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. It is the wisdom of God. It is the wisdom of God. And if you cannot grasp that, it is foolishness to you. It is foolishness for somebody to say, I'm leading you, but you come to a wilderness. It is foolishness. When someone says, I'm leading you, God is leading us. God is taking us from suffering. And that is why when you come to a place, when you are working with God and you analyze it, you wish you, you were back in the world. You wish you were back in the world. You feel that if I give my life to Christ, the joy that I have, you know, I will not have any man to cuddle my breast anymore. No man will hold me. No man will squeeze me. If I give, oh, true or not true? Is that not the reason why a lot of you young women, you don't commit fully to Christ? If I give my life to Christ properly, if I go too far, you know, I, 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 I mean, I have to let go of this young man. You know, I mean, my breast will go be... Is it not true? Nobody will squeeze your buttocks. True or not true? Oh, yes, I am preaching. So, you see, when we say that, when you say that, keep yourself, young woman... Keep yourself until you get married. You say, oh, he's a cake. This pastor, he's, he's not of this world. He's a cake. He doesn't understand it. He doesn't understand it. But you see, when I have been a pastor for a few years now, you know, and I've experienced, he's an old-fashioned. These days, who is a virgin pastor? These days, which woman should keep herself and do this and do that? You see, and so when you feel like you are doing that, it sounds, in the, it, it, it sounds the person who is selling you, you look at him and say, ah, but is he okay? Is he correct? Is he correct? He doesn't understand that I am a young woman. I know I, I have hormones. 
Amen. He said, Pastor, Pastor, does he, I mean, Pastor, have you been a young man like me before? Pastor, have you been my age before? You didn't have some feelings when you were. So it sounds foolish. But I will tell you. And so when I tell you that, when I tell you that, oh, if you sleep with him, he will never marry you. Or if you sleep with him and he marries you, he will never trust you. You will not believe me. You will not believe me because, you see, because it is the wisdom of this world that, oh, Reverend. You see, as I'm talking to you, as you are sitting and you are looking at me, and I'm telling you that, you say, oh, Reverend. You know, you are, you are not opening your mouth to tell me. But I say, oh, Reverend, you don't know this man. The way he treats me, even the way he holds me. Reverend, come on. The way he opens the car for me. The way, you know, you should see him. I mean, Reverend, that, there's not everything that I can tell you. You are saying this in your head. You are saying this in your head. You are saying this in your head. You say, Reverend, he doesn't know. I'll marry him and then I'll show him. And then he will see. But you see, the reason why I'm telling you that is because all the problems, they are coming back to me again. Unfortunately. I'm going to have to deal with it. 2 a.m., then you are calling me and crying. And that is what I'm trying to prevent. So I can sleep at 2 a.m. So I can wake up. <laughs> Amen. So, you see, because if I tell you that he will not marry you, you will not believe it. But your wisdom is the wisdom of this world. And it's not the wisdom of God. And what you don't understand is that this world did not make marriage. And so this world did not make rules about marriage. So anyone that is counseling you regarding marriage and is using this world to counsel you and to let you look at this and say, don't you see this? Don't you see that? Instead of the wisdom of God, you are about to doom. I am telling you, you are going to be doomed because marriage was not made by any man with this wisdom in this world. Marriage is made by God. And we counsel you based on the word of God. Hallelujah. Our time is up. I have too much to share with you, but we will pause here and I will continue next week when we meet. Stand onto your feet and let's bring our service to a close. Stand to your feet. It's the wisdom of this world. Lift up your hands and pray to the Lord. The Lord is setting you free. Free from the spirit that comes upon you, that makes you detest opening books, that you don't like to read a book. The Lord will set you free from that. And through the books that are written by men and women of God, certain wisdom will come to you. Wisdom that is not of this world. Wisdom that is not of this world. May the Lord give you that wisdom. May the Lord give you that wisdom. He will deliver you from the taskmasters of this world. He will set you free to serve him in the name of Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes. Thank Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus, your name, Lord Jesus, Jesus. afternoon you are not born again I want you to lift up your hands and I'll pray with you you are here this afternoon you want to give your life to Jesus you want to give your life to Christ this afternoon lift up your hands you say I want to give my life to Jesus wherever you are just lift up your right hand and I'll pray with you I want to give your life to Jesus I see your hand I see your hand anyone else you say I want to give my life to Jesus the Lord is about to set you free from Egypt from the wealth system, I see your hand. Anyone else? Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? I see your hand also. Anyone else? You are here this afternoon. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone else? If you have lifted up your hand, I want you to take one bold step and come here with me. I want to say this short prayer with you. Come forward. It is for Christ. Come forward. Take that bold step. Why don't you clap for Jesus? Yes, come forward. Oh. I surrender all to Thee. 
And I want all the congregation to join and say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for dying for me. I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you are the Son. You are the Lamb that was slain. You are the Lamb that was slain. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose up again. I believe you rose up on the third day. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, wash me with your blood. Cleanse me with your blood. Lord Jesus, please forgive me all my sins. This afternoon, I welcome you into my life. I take you to be my master, to be my savior, to be my Lord. I will serve you from this day. Lord Jesus, please write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you for my brother and my sister who are here this afternoon receiving you into their lives. Lord, I ask, your word says, because of this, the heavens rejoice. The angels of God rejoice. Because your children have come back to you, the heavens rejoice. Therefore, I I ask, let the joy of heaven be continual. I pray, oh God, that you build a fence around these ones. Let a shield, a divine shield, be built around them. You say, from today, all things are passed away, and all things are become new. They have turned a new leaf. They are new creatures. Lord, I ask that you command angels to work with them in their going and their coming. May you bless them. I pray, oh God, that you strengthen them. Let their faith be deepened. Let their walk with you get closer and closer. In the name of Jesus, may the angels of God watch over their going out and their coming in. That the enemy will never have a hand in their lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. I have a gift for you before you leave. I have this gift for you. We hope you have been blessed immensely by this message. Join us at 1734 Williamsbridge Road in the Bronx on Sunday afternoons and Tuesday evenings. For copies of this and other messages, contact us via email at lci.bronx at gmail.com.